Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Gen Con and Starfinder. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, it's pretty simple. On this podcast, we like to talk about games. Um, we just got back. Well, not just got back. We got back, like, last week or whatever. Um, but we got back from Gen Con 50 uh, with, like, six other people. Yeah. Friends of the cast all around. Uh, and it was, uh, and it was great. And one and enemy awesome. of the cast. Do we, we have one enemy of the cast? Well, you, you said friends of the cast all around. Well, there must be, if we, if there's potential for somebody to not be a friend of the cast, it must be an enemy, right? That's true. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, <coughs> but yeah, uh, no, it, it was, it was, uh, exciting times. We all, uh, it was Gen Con 50, uh, historic moment. Event sold out, which I don't think has ever happened before. Yeah. Um, it was, what is it, 90,000 four-day passes sold? Yeah. Uh, uh, so we looked up the numbers, and Gen Con typically gets about 200,000 like unique visitors. But a lot of those people are like one days or like weekend passes or whatever. Um, and of that number, about 60,000 are four-day passes, right? Um, but this year... That number jumped by fifty percent to ninety thousand, which is pretty ridiculous. I also met I also met like a fair number of people that um that that came to Gen Con fifty because it was Gen Con fifty. Like there were a lot of people who were kind of like, oh, we you know I used to come as a you know like when when me and my buddies were kids or whatever. And then we heard about Gen Con fifty and then we showed up. I had two guys who told me kind of that story back to back, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh huh. Well, I'm, I'm interested to see, like, because it has been growing every year, regardless. Like, this was obviously a significant jump, but um, I'm kind of curious as to what it looks like next year. Because while there are a bunch of people who I'm sure just came because it was 50, I'm sure there are at least a couple people who came to 50 and was like, this is awesome, I'll come back next year. Yeah. So, my guess is it'll be somewhere in the 70,000 range, which will be, like, a, a moderate boost um, from two years ago. But obviously not as much as 90,000. But we'll see. <coughs> um. Hopefully it'll be a little bit less crowded and we'll be able to get more events easier. Uh, uh, but yeah, um, so uh, the big thing, obviously, to, to, to drop that dropped at Gen Con was uh, Starfinder. We played in the uh, premiere event, which is uh, which was uh, an interesting experience. Wouldn't you say, buddy? Uh, yeah. Uh, and then what else did we do? We played um, Seven C Alter. So we played Seven C again. We played Alternity. Alternity. Um, played, um... Uh, I played a 5th edition game. Yeah. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm interested to get your impressions on 5th edition since, uh... I've been playing it for a while. What else did we play? Um, uh, I, I, I played Star Wars. <coughs> right. Um, I, did a, I did a True Dungeon Adventure. Oh, uh, right. Uh, is another thing. Um, and then we did the uh, Rules Design Workshop, which was which was cool this year. Yeah. Uh, we, was, we could talk about it, too. Um, yeah, because we didn't have to do the NDA, yeah, which is nice. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Then, well, so I also played more Starfinder than you because we went, ended up going back to the hotel at one point and just yeah. like, playing Starfinder all night. Yeah, I, I went uh, I went to the uh, the Cosplay Deviants Saturday night party, Oof. which uh, we, can, <laughs> we can talk about, I guess. <laughs> Some derps talk about games after hours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we spent a bunch of time in the dealer's hall, which I think is is worth it. It's uh, uh we spent a lot of time wandering. I think, um, something that uh, that that Mark brought up, 
um, that I think is accurate is I think we tried to do too many, like, too many four-hour sessions in large blocks. I think next year yeah. doing, like, Whew. like last year we went to too many seminars. And we were like, ah, oh, less seminars. So we only did one this year. But I think the value there that we didn't realize is that, like, a lot of those one-hour sessions, like, I did um, two different podcast live recordings. Um, I did a... Uh, I did uh, the Angry DM and Fiddleback's podcast, uh, uh, Word of the Week, DM Word of the Week, and I did a live recording of uh, Dear Minoc from the campaign podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like things like that, and like maybe like some board game sessions would be good to mix in next year. So we're not like like uh, on Thursday. So the the worst I think was definitely I did Star Wars straight into Starfinder, which went to like one a.m. and then we had Kraken. Or we, we had a 7th seed the next morning at 10, but we were staying on the outer rim. So it was like a bunch, like at least an hour of travel time just in like waiting for Ubers and whatever. Plus, yeah. nobody had time to get dinner on the Thursday night. So we went to the Steak and Shake and they took forever to, to get us dinner. So two hours. Yeah. So <laughs> it was like we slept from like four to eight, maybe. Yeah, there was really not a lot of sleep going on. Yeah. I, I feel like all weekend, uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, yeah, I think if we can get a uh, an, an interim hotel next year, uh, that that can help with that, especially with also just like taking naps in between and whatever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We were talking a lot about that, um, like kind of in in small chunks. Like one of the things we were talking about doing is kind of like you know every year it seems like our group grows and grows. And by the way, any listeners, uh, if any of what we describe at going to Gen Con sounds awesome, please do not hesitate. To get in touch, uh, Jimmy Elias, friend of the cast, get, getting a shout out. Um, <laughs> you know, he's listened to the cast a whole bunch, and he was basically like, "Guys, listen, I gotta go to Gen Con." Uh, and so we met up with him, and it was very, and it was very cool, and it was very awesome. But something that we were talking about for the hotels was um, doing something like everybody goes in for the lottery, kind of individually or whatever, right? But then all of the lowest tier tickets, you know what I mean? Like you group people in groups of four by the lowest tier tickets to try and get everyone in scattered rooms in the inner rim of hotels, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because that kind of gives us a like one out of four shot that we can get people where they, you know, like where they need to go. Because I am 100% with you, Ubering there and back, driving there and back. It's just such a gigantic pain. I would have loved to be able to return. Yeah. You know, to the hotel, I would have felt a lot better about staying. Uh, like, late, there, like there was a lot of politics kind of around, <coughs> you know, how we were choosing to um, leave the convention center, um, stay at the convention center, right? All of this other kind of stuff uh, because our hotel was a very tough yeah. place. So, traveler's tip, folks, try and get in there early. Also, something we, we, we could consider for next year, just kind of like, is is paying instead of going through the the hotel portal is pay like market price which is high but if we can get if you can get one room inside the interim i think that's significantly better because you can drop stuff off yeah um, people don't mind sharing beds like take power naps and whatever uh, at least have a place to lay down your stuff uh-huh. um in, in between without having to to necessarily run all the way back to uh uh to the outer rim if if you can only because uh it's it's just hard to get those 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 high High priced, high priority hotels in any regards, but um, uh, I think there are some available in like the general market that you can get. So that that might be a thing to look into. Yeah, we were also um, talking about trying to do something like an Airbnb, see if we yeah. can get like a, you know what I mean, like get like a like a larger like a house or an apartment or something, and just kind of cram everyone in there. There's a lot of options. Is the yeah. point? There's a lot of options for housing. Um, that uh, oh. I guess I feel like we don't necessarily make the best use of, but whatever. 
Yeah. Um. To be fair, the pricing on the on the Gen Con rate is is great. Um. You get very moderate prices. Um. You do have to. You know. Obviously, you, you get locked out of the better hotels sometimes. But, um, the the other pri- uh, the prices from two years ago when uh, Mark and I went the first time, uh, we didn't do the the housing portal and the prices were significantly more expensive. Uh. So you know, uh, it's it's a give and take, I guess. Huh. Um, but let's just kind of go through it. Do you, you want to start on Thursday and just kind of march your way through the weekend? All right, cool. So what did we even do on Thursday? Okay, well, so, well do, <laughs> I guess, do, let me hear, hold on. I have a calendar. I'll pull up my calendar. Yeah, I was going to say, do we, do we want to start with Wednesday, <coughs> um, getting in and, and picking up tickets and whatever? Is there anything to really talk about there? Yeah, Mine I mean, was, there really there really wasn't uh, too much, it felt like. Yeah, for, for the largest attendance ever, the line on Wednesday night was tiny. Um, I guess, I don't know if we just hit it right or whatever, but, like, it was I like, have a feeling we did. The last time we got there kind of in the middle of the night, and I feel like there were a lot of, like, overnight people. Oh, how did you feel? Okay, so this is a big difference from last year. Last year, we flew into Chicago and drove down, and that's what I did this year because Jimmy lives in Chicago, and he owns a car, right? Um, and yeah. so we, t- we took the three-hour drive uh, down with Jimmy and... Um, uh, and some other folks that like also flew into Chicago with us, but you guys flew directly into Indianapolis Airport. Um, how do you, how do you feel about how do you feel about that? Um, I think in kind of like the, I think so. Two years ago, we also did Indianapolis, um, and I think on the back end, it makes more difference. Um, like when you're leaving, because you don't okay. have to worry about getting there on time. I think on the front end, um it's 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 more or less fine i don't think i would have minded driving again i thought it's it's neat to be able to fly directly but the other part of this is is that um i think the biggest bigger difference is if you can get a direct flight i think i'd recommend indianapolis if you can get direct flights and if Mm. you can't i don't think it makes a ton of difference if you do chicago or not um i also did different thing on the back end than everybody else um uh, oh, but, that is definitely that is definitely yeah. true. I mean, I I was surprised a little bit. I feel I feel as though it's probably likely that you'll actually have a little bit more flexibility considering both options more than anything else. Yeah. Um, I think if I had taken an LAX flight from Indianapolis, I would have had to take that flight at like four, um, which. While, you know, like, while, while that would have been, like, fine and everything because I wouldn't have, like, the three-hour drive tacked on, because we were flying out of Chicago, everyone was flying out of Chicago somewhere around 9 p.m. Chicago time, which is, like, 10 p.m. convention time, um, it, we actually drove back to Chicago and we got to eat dinner and hang out with... Uh, uh, you know, with Jimmy's girlfriend, who we all knew. We actually watched, like, the first, like, hour of Wet Hot American Summer because, like, we just ended up talking about it for some reason. I was like, oh, my fucking God, you guys have to watch this. Um, <laughs> and so there was a little bit of that going into it, too. Like, I like the later flight uh, to make Sunday a little bit more of just, like, a, you know, this a is the last day, day that, the, that all of the bros are together and we're going to kind of yeah. chill sort of thing. Um, and I don't think it would have gotten that out of uh, out of the Indianapolis flight, but like you know maybe you know I I didn't really check in Indianapolis flights on time. I'm sure there are a lot of um, you know like I'm sure the airport for Indianapolis the Sunday after Gen Con is wrecked. You know what I mean? Like um, I I imagine it must be like a shit show. And so I don't think I had top choice of uh, of flights and stuff. Uh, we got a pretty good flight out. Like our our flight was for like six or seven p.m. Um, and actually it's like a four hour flight flying back. So it's like a four for us on the West coast. That's like only a one hour clock difference, which is nice. 
Um, I think, I think, I think you're right though. Ultimately it's, it's having like keeping both options open, either Chicago or Indianapolis and potentially even something, I don't know if there's any other good airports, but like, um, maybe something in Ohio you could do. Yeah, maybe I wouldn't. So driving, I drove to Nashville after Gen Con. I would not recommend doing Nashville up to Indianapolis. I think you could work in a pinch, but it's like, it's like four hours, five hours with traffic type of deal. So I, I would, oof. um, I, w- I would yeah three hours seems very doable to me you yeah. know what I mean that's like a commute and a half kind I, of, or I, like or like two commutes sort of thing I feel like three hours is like your upper limit I um, think you could maybe do Cincinnati that would be the other t- just like looking okay, at a yeah, map yeah. I think that would be the, your other ticket it actually looks like it's closer from Cincinnati to Indianapolis oh really uh, than it is from uh, uh, Chicago uh, to Indianapolis so huh. that's cool that's pretty neat I think that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but yeah, did we, did we, did, uh, but then, so, so we got in, so we all got in on Wednesday night. We got our stuff and everything like that. We had an event scheduled, uh, like safe, fun foam fighting, but I don't think anybody went to that. Right. No, we, we, we waited for you guys to get in to go pick up our stuff. So we, we didn't go to the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, what's it called? Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, the yeah. Convention center. Fair enough. Okay. Um, and so then the next morning on Thursday, my first event was at noon, uh, which was my D and D five E event. What was, uh, my uh, first, my first event was, uh, GM word of the week. Okay. Uh, <coughs> um, which was at the same time. So why don't you, why don't you take it away? You go first. Okay. So my D and D five E event was the only open D and D five E event I could fit in the schedule. Right. I, 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 uh, chose it because I wanted to play five E. I knew I wanted to play five E. Um, I was really interested in playing uh, uh, 5e, especially with my, you know, like with Jimmy and with like Charles. Charles has played a lot of 5e. Um, and so we went to that, and it ended up being hosted by a group called Contessa. Uh, do you know about Contessa? Uh, no. Okay. So Contessa, uh, actually, I'm going to see if I can, I'm going to see if I can like look up what their actual uh, slogan is. Um, so Contessa's... Um, Slogan is diverse tabletop gaming uh, for all, uh, and it was all about like representation and stuff like that. And so the game itself was like incredibly focused on um, like like the typical theater kid aspects of kind of like emotions and shit like that. Like it wasn't very mechanical in so much as it was like you show up at the table and everybody kind of like picks up the character and you're really expected to like get into it and role play, right? Which was really awesome and really unique. I hadn't had an experience in Gen Con like that. A lot of a lot of events in Gen Con are kind of like they're basically like advanced problem solving games for a couple of hours. You know what I mean? Like the GM is really there just to like 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 present you a problem and then like work you through as you keep attempting to solve it. If that makes sense, it's, yeah. a, it's a much more mechanical. Um, and I don't mean that like in a game mechanics way, but just like in a like emotions and role playing and character and all that stuff. All those things I, are I, left at the wayside. I, I think you're actually right, though. I think even in the in the sense of like it's more mechanical. I think that's kind of how these games default to because they're generally not like the, I think there's a big difference between this game you're describing and the typical Gen Con game. Is I think most Gen Con games are put on by the publisher of whatever game, and as a result, they're kind of like these form factor games that kind of get run. Um, and they could be better or worse depending on the GM, but because of that, they tend to focus on more on showing off the aspects of the system because a lot of them are for new players and on uh, just kind of, um, and I think kind of the nature of being one-shot games um, means that you, you don't have a lot of, uh, 
opportunity to to build in a lot of player emotion. Like, um, just to kind of compare, um, like, I think that most of the games of played at Gen Con, like, leave the kind of, your, your kind of attitudes of your characters fairly open, um, to, to, uh, to, to kind of let you play it how you want to, but that also means that you don't have a lot of the kind of buildup of of your of your character backstory and your characters that you get over the course of a campaign, and it's very hard to inject into a one four hour session. Um, whereas it sounds like it, because uh, basically what you told me before is by writing in a lot of that character backstory, you can get to that that emotional point much quicker. Is, yeah, is that and, and, and and it was also very much about like the fact that we really leaned into it. Um, if that makes sense. Like, this is the blurb. This is the blurb they have on their website. It says, We are an organization dedicated to increasing diverse representation in tabletop gaming by running events led by led entirely by marginalized people and enjoyed by everyone. We run our our own conventions online and the 10 popular conventions, right? Um, and, uh, and they have, like, workshops, like, seminars, panels, and stuff like that. But I didn't know any of this stuff walking in, right? But I saw the big contested sign. It's like a big rainbow thing. And I saw the thing that's all about, like, you know, increasing diverse representation in tabletop gaming. And I was like, oh, I get it, right? And then I sat down and I read my character sheet. And it was a full, it was a, you know what I mean? It's not just, like, a blurb, right? It was a full-page sheet bio of this guy and his, like, you know, like what he, what he's at, what he's working through, where he's you know coming from, what are his relationships with the other people in the party? You know what I mean? And as soon as I saw all this stuff, I was like, if I play this like a normal normal Gen Con game, it's gonna be bad. You know, like that that is not what this is for. This really is to try and put me in the headspace of you know like this other person, and I sh and I need to like. I need to essentially meet them on that level. Otherwise, it's not going to work and it's going to be a failure, right? Uh, my character specifically was, like, the son of the queen who was, like, sick and dying or whatever. <coughs> and he was the heir to the kingdom um, because his older brother, who was, like, set to be the heir, was the one who, like, tried to assassinate the queen and got, like, exiled or whatever. Um, but the main tension for my character was he was in a homosexual relationship with his, um, with, like, the court, like, doctor or something like that. And, like, that, and he was very afraid, uh, like, he wanted to preserve that relationship, right? He wanted to be in love with the person he was in love with, obviously. Um, but he felt that if he had to take the spotlight, if he had to become king, right, that he would, um that he would have to give that up, right? And he would have to essentially live a lie because he wouldn't be able to, you know, be, like, be himself in front of, the, like, the whole kingdom or whatever. And there were a whole bunch of other people, right? Uh, one of the characters was a, um... Uh, one of the characters was tr was a trans half-orc who was trying really hard to find a magical solution uh, to their gender dysphoria, right? Um, there was, a, the other half of my romantic relationship was at the table. In fact, the other half of my romantic relationship was, uh, was a half-elf. And he used the same image that Alaric in Hell's Rebels uses to, like, that was, like, that was, like, the reference image on his, like, character sheet, which we all thought was really funny. Um, and it was played by Jimmy Kirsch, who plays Weird in that game. Um, and, um... <clears throat> And so we were, and so you know, we really leaned into it. There was a lot of stuff going on, and there were more mechanics than I expected. Um, but at the end of the day, like basically everyone except for Enoch slash Rakax, he kind of came in late and didn't quite. He didn't read his backstory because he came in late and stuff like that, so he didn't quite like get the memo about all this stuff. Um, but we actually had like a really cool, awesome time because um, 
you know, all of us kind of independently came to that same decision about like going hard for like these characters and like their emotions. Like there was this one part where like we couldn't move forward unless everybody um, like told a secret or whatever. There was like this enchantment on the thing. And, uh, and, and the and the woman who was running the game was like, yeah, I ran this with another group. And they were just, like, rattling them off so that they could get through the door, essentially. You know, it'd be like, oh, by the way, I'm trans. And then, like, walk through the door because that unlocks the, you know, like, it unlocks the door. It allows you to leave the room or whatever. But for our group, we were like, we were like, okay, guys, it's time to, like, powwow. We got to share this shit. And so we, like, built a little campfire, and everybody, like, sat down, and we had these, like, monologues, and it was so great. And I really enjoyed, uh, I really enjoyed that. In terms of 5e, the system, um, I actually didn't get to see as much of it as <laughs> I might otherwise have liked in order to, like, come to a real decision. Just because, like, even, like, the, the, the game was actually, like, we did plenty of mechanics, we had, uh, uh, we had combat encounters and everything like that. But there just actually weren't enough differences between 5e and, like, Pathfinder in terms of, like, how the game plays from a minute-to-minute -minute level uh, that allowed me to kind of get a good read on it. I, I think that's if fair. If that makes sense. I think, I, I think that, like, the bigger things that, that, you, that you, you kind of... I don't know if you got a good, good experience with them, but, like, I think the hero points are kind of a, a bigger thing. You see, we didn't have hero points. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, and, like... Some, the way some of the stuff is streamlined, but I feel like a lot of that is also kind of like you. If you're playing a pre-built Pathfinder character, you're also not getting a lot of the differences out of like the kind of the the system, the streamlining. Yeah, because so. I think a lot of it comes in the progression. You yeah, know, like as you as you get uh, from level level. I will say that my favorite thing about my character was he was a conjurer and he had the ability to conjure. Uh, just, like, random items that were no longer than three feet in any, like, one dimension um, and weighed no more than ten pounds. And I did that exceedingly commonly. I basically solved, like, half a dozen puzzles just by, like, conjuring boxes in spots. I don't, I don't know if that's, a, if that's a core thing. That sounds like it might be outside of the core. It seems to be a core thing. It just seemed to be, like, a conjurer. Uh, I, I don't think conjurer is like... a core class or anything. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a wizard specialization. I was a wizard. Okay. Um, um, and I was like, and, uh, and I was like specialized in the conjurer school. I don't really, I think it, it, it's meant to be something a little bit like prestidigitation, uh, in the sense that like, it's not meant to have a lot of like gameplay effects, but I just made it have a lot of gameplay effects cause I kept conjuring boxes. Also, I didn't have like a, gr a great selection of pre-built spells. Um, like a lot of the spells were basically kind of like CC things. And so I was, uh, I was trying my best to get a lot of mileage out of my, um, uh, like out of that at will ability, uh, you know, as much. Yeah, as no, it makes makes perfect sense. Uh, but yeah, so that was my that was my D and D five E game. <coughs> uh, yeah, I, I I'm curious to see if if conjurer is is an actual, uh, it, it's like a core thing because I, I I don't remember seeing it in in the stuff that I that I've seen. Um. But yeah, that might just be, uh, uh, the, I, I don't know, I also don't know, uh, kind of, I, I am not super deep into the system, I'm also not super up on the splat or whatever. Right, right. I actually uh, don't know that there is all that much splat, but. Uh, you know, there isn't, a lot of them are PDFs called Unearth Arcana. Um. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I don't know, maybe. Do you remember the name of the, of the cantrip? Uh, no. Okay. Well, never mind. Uh.
do uh you know i'm all, i'm near positive that it's not a uh it's not a real or not 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 real but a a uh a, a core one because i i my character uses cantrip can use cantrips from any class based on something um i don't remember that so it wasn't there. so so it wasn't a cantrip though like i did oh, have okay. i did have cantrips it was just like another ability oh that was a standard see. action and i, I could see. use it at will. okay yeah okay i see huh that's interesting um all right so uh i uh, did you want to say anything else about five? Actually, I no, wanted to ask. I, I did want to ask you one more thing sure. about this. Um, so you said that, like, so, um, you had all this backstory written, and there was this kind of like arc. Um, did you feel like you were you were like you were making real choices about your character? Did you feel like you were playing like kind of like a part in a play? Like, was there a way the story was supposed to go? I'm I'm, I'm curious about this. Uh there were real. There were definitely real choices. Basically, the the setup for the story is uh, you know so there's the queen right. Um, she has two sons right. The older son and the younger son. I was playing the younger son right. And then she also had an adopted kind of like orphan like scrappy rogue kind of daughter right. Um. Who, uh, who was played by the actual random member of our table, who was such a fucking trooper, by the way, to walk into a game with, like, four dudes who all knew each other or whatever. Like, she also got, like, really into it. And, like, it, it, but, but, it, but it, uh, anyway, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Um, uh, and then there were a couple of other characters, right? Like, the mother was also an adventurer, and so some of, like, her adventuring party was also in the group, and they knew, like, secrets and stuff about that. And then there was, like, my lover or whatever. Um... And, uh, and so the, the whole point of it was to go get this kind of, um, was to go get this star that was like, be that it's just, it's just an item, right? You go get the MacGuffin and the goddess of the kingdom says like chooses the next heir of the kingdom. And typically, you know what I mean? Like the person who trains like since birth gets the star and like, like and that's just like how it goes. But that person ended up. Uh, like going crazy that person ended up assass or trying to assassinate the queen or whatever um, and so they were kind of like disqualified and so we were racing that person to the star um, and once we ended up getting it <coughs> there was like a bit of RP that was kind of like okay like what do you want to do with the kingdom from here on out the main tension for my character was whether or not he wanted to be king right he was kind of like the rightful heir um, but I also but like I also, he, it was very clear that, like, that his question was, like, do I want to be king or do I want to be, like, do, do I want to just, like, go off with my boyfriend and we, and we don't worry about, like, the leadership of the kingdom sort of thing, right? Um, and, uh, and I also kind of did this thing because I, I sensed it a little bit that, like, um, the, the, like, the adopted daughter was a little bit in the running as well, and then you eventually find out that, like, the adopted daughter is, like, the queen's daughter, but just, like, essentially a bastard, right? Um, and so, uh, what we ended up doing was, like, we kind of did a little bit, like, no, you be king, no, you be king, no, you be king, or queen, or whatever, um, but eventually we all kind of agreed that the, the adopted daughter is the one that should be the queen, um, and then the star, uh, and then like this, and then we all like told the star to choose her or whatever, if that makes sense. So like, it was a little bit more about the moment of like the characters getting to that choice together than it was about like any kind of like lasting effect. Okay. Um, if, if you, so if you like, if this is a lot of the way that I talk about telltale games, right? Um, 
you know how like if you look at the wiki the choices in telltale games aren't really choices in the way right. that they present themselves right but that kind of doesn't matter um, and it doesn't ruin those games for me just from the perspective of like the the in the in the moment of making the choice right the the kind of emotions that you're feeling and that you're and that you're working through in that moment that's what matters that's the point if that makes sense um, and so it was it was a game Ooh, excuse me it was a game that was built around that fundamentally okay and then and just out of curiosity how how set was your character like if you had decided that instead of playing kind of like the sympathetic character that you're playing that you want to play say like um like a power hungry dude who was just kind of like like who would have thrown away his lover at the, a moment to seize power was that something you felt was open to you uh, or you kind of pushed into like uh into 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 a, a set character i did not feel well it's a kind of a weird way to frame it almost from the perspective of like i think if i had done that nobody would have minded all that much Okay. Um, but it's a little bit like it is a lot. It is a lot like a play in that you like you're kind of being handed a. It, it'd be like if Romeo in the middle of Romeo and Juliet was like, "Fuck you, Juliet," or something like that. You know, like that. I don't know. Sure, I feel well, like the, the, that's kind like, of that's kind of what I'm asking, right? Like, um, like in say our seventh C game, I had a backstory, but it wasn't a lot of detail there for me to like. Like there was there was there was a lot of detail there, so I could fill it in the way I wanted to. Um, and so I did, right? And I, I could have chosen other options for it, and it wouldn't have contradicted the backstory anyway. Uh, in, in any way. Um, it's kind of like, I guess to use your example, it'd be like if you came in to Romeo and Juliet um, at the point at like the point where like they're they're uh, they're doing the suicide bit. Um, but the only thing you knew about Romeo is that like he had like he he at one point professed his love for this girl, but you didn't know anything about his actual motivations or whatnot. Um, and you decided that the way that he took it is this was actually a clever ruse to get one over on um, on Juliet's family. Um, like I could see that like like if you wrote the backstory loose enough, you could do that. Um, I'm just curious how tightly the backstory was written. I guess is the uh, the, 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 so the backstory was written lo- like so it's less about like overarching stuff and more about the details, right? Um, like, so for instance, the stuff about like the, uh, the stuff about like the homophobic society was at best implied, right? I made that really explicit, right? Like I made that canon essentially because the, you know, it talks about like, it talks about my character, not like feeling a tension between wanting to be king and just wanting to be in love essentially. Right. But I, but I specifically highlighted the homosexual or the, like the, the homophobic nature of the society as kind of like the fulcrum of that. Um, like that okay. was a detail that I brought to the table. Another so, version so, of this. So right, if, if you wanted to, you could have made it about like class difference, right? Like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. I could have made okay. that kind of about it. And also like the personality for my character a lot was very like compassionate. Um, and he was incredibly like empathetic. Like there was this part where we were fighting trolls, right? And someone was like, yo, and, and one of the trolls had been pushed off a cliff and it was climbing up the cliff slowly. Um, but like, it wasn't dead or anything. And somebody was like, yo, we should, we should kill this troll. And I was like, no, no, no. Like we should, like, you know, like he's, he was very much like a pacifist. He's very much like a, uh, like a tree hugger kind of like everyone deserves a chance to live. Like, I'm sorry that we came to blows and we had to kill, you know, 
whatever this these two troll guys to get where we needed to go or whatever but that doesn't mean that we need to murder this one like cold blood sort of thing like that you know like that compassion is something that i brought to the table mostly as a, as a point of comparison because the daughter who i could tell that we were setting up this kind of like um who's going to be you know like who's going to be the next ruler thing had gone the opposite way and was like you know uh you know, we like we should kill this. We you know, like we should kill this troll. I bet he's just a scourge to the countryside anyway. You know what I mean? Like this kind of stuff. And so, and then, and then at the end of at the end of the choice, one of the things that happens is the star goes around and he asks everyone, "Why do you think you should lead?" Right? And you can't dodge that question. Like it just makes you answer the question, sort of thing. Um, and then it asks you who you think you should lead. Um, and so, uh, and so I wanted my answer for that question, even though I didn't quite know that it was going to be this explicit, to be very different from, uh, my sister's, right? She was like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, we need to protect the people and be fair and be just. And I was like, you know, we need to be compassionate and, and empathetic, right? Because, you know, like, that's the foundation on which, like, great societies are built. Or whatever. And so, I, if that makes sense. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? I could have made that thing be different in any right, number right. of in any number of ways. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to say about that? Uh, no. No. Um, how, was, uh, how was your podcast recording? Uh, it was <laughs> pretty good. Um, it was neat to see the angry GM in person because he's a lot... I don't want to say goofier, but he, he he looks, he's like a lot less, he's got a lot less edge to him than I think I kind of assumed out when I didn't know who, like what he looked like or who he was. Like he still like has the same kind of like confidence in, in whatever um, that you kind of read out of his articles, but it's less kind of, feels less angry and more kind of like, um, yeah, but I don't even want to say goofy because it's like, it's like. It's it's like angry in the in the it, it, you know how like it's different if like um you know like a stern serious person is angry at you and if like you know like uh the the fucking like like have you seen uh, Aladdin the classic Disney film yeah yeah like this is the difference between like Jafar being angry and like the Sultan being angry if that makes sense okay um because this guy I. I previously been like this thought this guy was more like Jafar and now he's kind of like more like the Sultan in my mind like you know like still angry it's still forceful and still has good points but like it feels like it's less edge because he's less of like an intense person than I assumed that he was um but anyway it was a great great show um Fiddleback um has a great voice in real life too it's not just for the uh the, the show for any of you who are fans of GM Word of the Week um this was particularly cool because um, usually it's just Fiddleback reading the script, um, and at this and this time the Angry GM would interrupt with like little asides about different things, uh, which were also very interesting. I, I love that podcast. I recommend it to everybody. It's basically an etymology podcast um, for fantasy words. Um, I think it might be the current episode up is 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 what the uh, recording was, but it was it was fun. It was also cool to uh, listen to them, and they they went into a little bit about um their process and how it works. Um, like apparently like at the very beginning, it was mostly just angry GM doing the research and Fiddleback, Fiddleback was just reading it. Um, no, apparently it's much more collaborative. They both, they both doing a, a, a good amount of the research. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it was, it was very cool to see. Uh, I liked it a lot. Um, why don't you tell 
uh, me. I don't think there's much else to say about it unless you had any questions about it. Yeah, no worries. Uh, how I, was, I, in that case, how was TDA? Uh, TDA. TDA was expensive. It was all, I actually almost kind of want to, oh God, there's just so much to happen in Gen Con. So TDA is pay to win. And I didn't know this. Um, there are these tokens that you get, right, that represent items, right? And you have this huge character sheet right at the beginning that has all these different, like, items and stuff like that. Um, and there's, like, slots for, like, rings and, you know, just, like, tons and tons of stuff to bring with you. Um, and people pay very real money for these tokens, right? Uh, a guy in my group had a token that he, he let me borrow, right? I actually never even touched it. He showed me the token because I was playing like the class or whatever, and he was like, "Do you wanna do you wanna use this token for the adventure?" I was like, "Sure." And then he pulled over the GM and he was like, "I am lending this guy this token." And the GM recorded it on like the character sheet because everything is kind of recorded on this big official like sheet or whatever um, to keep track of like the whole the whole group's statistics. <coughs> um, but uh, the uh, but the guy and then the guy. Put it like took it and then put it away. Like I didn't even get to see, like touch it or anything. Like he showed it to me briefly, um, and it's because then he, he ended up telling us later it's because that thing is worth twelve hundred dollars apparently. Like it's just like that incredibly valuable oh, of a token. And I was like, Christ, who would pay twelve hundred dollars for like right, right though, right though? Yeah, and so uh, and and before you enter TDA, there's this booth where you can buy essentially booster pack booster packs for these things and just get like randomized uh loot at the end of them uh you so you get to keep all of the tokens that you start with right and then at the end of them uh you get three random tokens from like this big box or whatever um so it's uh, how much is a booster pack i i didn't even know i didn't okay. even check I, I i didn't hear about the booster packs until later um uh alexia told me about the booster packs um and, uh, and so, yeah, um, the weirdest part was that during the, we play, there are two versions of it, right? There's the puzzle version and the combat version. During the puzzle version, um, the, uh, the, the, the stats mean nothing. They're, they're completely useless. They only come into, like, come into it in the combat. Um, and so we, we did the combat, um, combat honestly is not super great. Uh, everything to like, like the deciding factor to like to hit and stuff like that is like a, like a mini shuffleboard thing. Um, and they have like on it, they have, um, kind of these like targets, right? So like, for instance, we fought this dragon and so the shuffleboard was like a big dragon's face and there were one and one through 20 different sections, right? So like the left eye was 19, the right eye was 20 and depending on like what you got, uh, like, if you landed on either of the eyes, that was, like, a crit sort of thing. Um, and you needed to hit by, like, landing on a good enough number um, by, where, where, like, you take the, you take your, you kind of, like, take, like, a hockey puck and you, like, slide it forward. And then it, when it, where it comes to rest, what number it comes to rest on, that's the number um, of your, uh, like, of your thing. Um, so, I don't know. Like, there was that. Uh combat wasn't great it was not very fun uh if they had tactical movement as part of it i think it would be actually pretty cool but otherwise it was just kind of like honestly it just like felt like uh uh like a cash grab almost like they were like you could really tell that they were just kind of turning people through um like turning people through the whole the whole thing 
because you know uh, like you don't stay with one GM you move from room to room and a new GM picks up your sheet and he GMs the thing and you can tell that he's been GMing like the exact same encounter for every group that comes in every 10 minutes over and over man I'm really like shitting on TDA here um the uh the puzzles were actually so uh, a lot of a lot of our people thought the puzzles were unfair and there were two or three puzzles that we didn't get um mostly because the rules of how the puzzles worked in between um rooms was inconsistent like there was one room that was about matching right and then there was another room that was about matching like immediately afterwards one was like can you match the like alchemical stuff um to like the ingredients of the alchemy or whatever um, and then the other one was like, can you match these runes to, you know, like to this enchanted furnace? Um, in the first room, if you were guessing, right, and you matched wrong, the whole room took damage. Because like the, you know, the alchemy shit would blow up. In the second room, we assumed the same thing was true. But when we, but what we found out was that the way that you were supposed to do the, the runes was essentially trial and error. Oh, okay. um, to a certain extent, but we were hesitant about matching because we thought if we matched them wrong, it, like the furnace would blow up and we would all die or something right, like right, that. Right. right. Um, also, if you took too long on a room, you would get what's called push damage, which was a lot. <coughs> Everybody would take like six damage. Um, where you know, like my starting health pool was about sixteen, and I was low. But you know, like we took a couple of instances of push damage. You know, we took a couple of damage from like, you know dragon attacks and shit like that um we mostly healed through everything because we ended up taking all of the healers which worked out pretty well um but there were some very good uh, but there were some very good uh, uh puzzles the very last puzzle which was awesome um was you were at these like wayfinder stones um and you could uh uh and the stones had like different led like like multicolored leds on them and if you nudge the stone the led would change color right um and if you waited 10 seconds the led would change color right and you can only change and you could only force a change once every 10 seconds uh, okay. essentially uh to like force it to like force it forward and the thing that we had to do was get all of the stones to sync up their green um which ended up being kind of just like uh but like at the same time there were all of these like sound effects you could tell they were kind of going for broke like, like this was like the climax or whatever because like you were being chased by this like demon horde or whatever and we actually got like kind of into it and i thought that puzzle was really neat i ended up basically solving the puzzle just by taking out a pen and writing down the order of one of the uh like of one of the stones and we used that to key all of the other stones right everybody kind of chose a stone memorized the order and then we just like slowly started getting everything synced up uh, and we beat it with like 30 seconds to spare, which was, uh, which was pretty awesome. So we all survived. Um, we all, we all survived our TDA. Uh, unfortunately it was $60 for that. <coughs> Not something I think I'd ever do again. Um, unless they had some like dramatic changes, like to, uh, to the way that like the combat system worked. I talked about like, if they wanted to do an actual version where like you were essentially your pawn on a you know like on a on a on a map of like 5v5 whatevers and like you can move tactically um i would be down for that that would be very cool and i think that that would uh that would be that would be worth it um but insofar as it's just kind of like this makeshift shuffleboard pay to win bullshit i'm really not on board nope well so is it, would you not do it again next year i'm not gonna do it again next year okay. i'm glad i did it this year almost just from uh like um 
Uh, like, like it wasn't quite so bad that I regret, you know, it's not like I regret it. It's not like I wish I had done something else. Um, like it was cool as like a one-off experience and I like to see kind of like the rules and it was a neat system to kind of like pick apart, uh, and everything like that. But, um, you know, there's no repeat value in it essentially. Fair enough. Um, uh, and then at that, so at that, that, that time you had Edge of the Empire, right? Yes, I did. Uh, okay. Mystery of the Shattered Planet was the name of the path. Um, I played this because I've been I've been really enjoying the campaign podcast, um, and you know part of this was was reminding me that like a bunch of improvers kind of playing loose fast loose with the rules for the purposes of an entertaining podcast is not exactly like the tabletop itself, but it was still a neat system. Um, the story was kind of neat too. Essentially, you find like uh, a planet like I said you you do like a a, a minor mission for a guy to like recover a piece of cargo and you. Uh, and you go and you find a, a planet in the uh, in the outer rim, um, or not in the outer rim, in, in the uncharted space. Um, and uh, that planet has been like ha- harvesting like tons and tons of kyber crystals. Um, and obviously the empire empire is interested in it because the Death Star is powered by kyber, kyber crystals. Um, and uh, you, it's like a big score, so like um, you want to go bring it in, um, but they won't give you anything until you help. Um, Essentially, essentially, this place has been, like, abandoned for, like, 15 or so years when it was supposed to be, like, the owner was supposed to be gone for two weeks. A bunch of mechanical problems, and essentially, you have to go find a a, uh, a drone brain. So, you go to Geonosis, and you find a drone brain, and uh, there's a bunch of stuff in between there. And it was it was fun all around. Um, table players was all right. Um, uh, the GM was pretty good. Um, something that I kind of noticed is that, like, a lot of kind of the more cinematic aspects of the system, like using different things, uh, different parts, pieces of mechanics for like um, more story-driven things, or kind of more like 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 uh, Star Warsy things, um, uh, get get passed over in favor of just kind of using it for the mechanical effects, just because that's easier to do when you're teaching a bunch of pe- new people the system. Um, something I realized is that the dice system is very kind of uh, like I'm not a huge fan of it, just because. It's actually kind of hard to resolve what your di- your what your result is because um, you essentially roll um, a set of your dice against a set of target dice, and then you compare successes to failures and advantages to disadvantages. And the symbols are different enough; like some of them have like advantage and success, some of them have like uh, two threats or whatever. And so pairing off those dice is non-trivial, um, and so reading your result is non-trivial as well. Um, and um, it's got, like, a similar amount of, like, mental taxation that um, the kind of 7th C system does. The 7th C system, you do that once at kind of the top of the round, and then you go a while before you have to redo that. This is every time you do something. You have to do kind of, like, this this, this set of, like, resolution stuff, which is it's not terrible. It's just not as simple as kind of roll D d20, add a modifier, compare with a target number. Um, and I don't think that that's terrible, but I also think that it's uh, not the not my favorite. Um essentially but you know it was it was an interesting experience glad i did it um it the system's decent i think it feeling relatively star warsy which i think is good um and uh i don't know i thought it was cool i don't know if there's uh much else to go into there did you have any questions about it um no i guess uh yeah i don't know all right well, well next up is an event we were both in which is uh 
claim to salvation. The, the, <laughs> the Starfinder, uh, the Starfinder Society. Yep. Um, we were both in a group with uh, Charles Powell, who had basically the best moment in Gen Con. Because, and I want to tell this story because I thought it was so funny. Um, okay, so Charles was playing a Solarian. He knew he wanted to play a Solarian ever since I shared with him the rule book and he had been like looking at it and stuff like that. Um, and one of the abilities for Solarians is they can kind of attune up. Um, <laughs> is that they can kind of like attune up their... Um, like their uh, like their solar power essentially round by round for every three rounds or for every round and at the and at the end of three rounds right they can use one like zenith ability which is a super super crazy high caliber high impact ability right and Charles had been trying so hard to use his zenith ability um, <laughs> and finally on the final boss of this um, the uh, we got to the point where we were in, in melee combat, right? Charles and Mango were both in melee with this Etten. And I guess the Etten had been, like, pacified in some way. Um, and right as Charles was about to use uh, his Zenith ability, which would have done a whole bunch of PvP damage to Mango, because Mango was in there in melee with him, uh, like, the GM got really angry at him for, like, potentially PvPing uh, inside of the game, inside of Starfinder Society. And the reason I wanted to start with that story is because I actually think that it's kind of emblematic of, like, how funny and weird I almost find, like, the playing the Society versions of Starfinder and Pathfinder to be. Um, just, like, in terms of, uh, you know, like, how people, how people construct, uh, like, how people construct the games. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I will say that this was the worst game that I was in. Uh, it wasn't quite, like, this isn't, it's also not something that I, like, regret or whatever, um, but, like, this DM and his, um, kind of dogmatic, you know, approach to the rules and the design of the system, uh, and, and running things was really kind of antithetical to how I like to play, uh, how I like to play games, especially pickup games, right, like, one-offs and stuff like that. Um, and I found that to be something of a problem. Yeah, he, he, he seemed to not ever want to deviate from, like, the list of solutions listed in, in the packet or whatever. Um, uh, and, like, I, I think part of that is the society stuff. Um, and part of it's definitely the way, the way that he, he chose to DM it. But I also think that kind of, like, if you DM for society, you kind of have to be that way. And maybe it attracts that kind of DM um, or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that there's a big deal uh, of uh, kind of um, forced, you know, like 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 forced consistency that goes into DMing something. In yeah, and, and you know, I don't know society. if we, like, I'll say that like I don't know if the, what we did kind of helped that. So so like just to to be to, to give an example, early, very early on, um, uh, we have to get. Uh, information no we have to get toilet uh toiletries essentially for one of the characters um we've got a couple different ways to do this but um when we do the gather information check i rolled really poorly um and i'm playing a vesk a female vesk uh -huh. and so i think as kind of like a joke he said like oh like no one gives you any information but a bunch of the male vesks kind of like like uh like wolf whistle at you or whatever and so I take the opportunity to be like, oh, well, can I, like, you know, like, 
basically so, like you know like it, uh, does, does the prison allow conjugal visits right i was gonna play it like i was gonna play it not that i was just like whoring myself out but like that was the thing that i would have enjoyed you know like that's just the character or whatever um and you could tell immediately he's like nope nope that's not happening that's not allowed to happen like like yeah. and you know in some ways like you know like yeah that's him being inflexible it's also us encouraging him to not give us those types of opportunities if we're gonna be like like uh, like that about it and you know i can i can imagine that kind of thing being a problem for a different group of people right like i think that like i don't think i would have done that necessarily if it wasn't like all of us and like one dude who seemed pretty chill at the table um and i think that's something that you have to kind of keep in mind when you're running a society game like this right like um i feel like that wouldn't have jived well with like the the society uppers if 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 it had been a problem for someone um so i can be kind of sympathetic on that front um you feel me yeah i also think uh this is a little bit of why i feel like he's antithetical to my approach because i really like thinking outside of the box um and trying to come up with like clever solutions right and i and i am aware of the fact that they are clever salute like clever solutions for clever solutions sake uh a lot of the time um this would kind of like end up coming in uh an alternative like, well in both an alternative and in 7c to a certain extent um but uh uh so, like, having that kind of be, like, hamstrung kind of sucked. Yeah, I feel that. But the system itself is solid. Um, I played a lot of Starfinder. I, I liked I liked what I saw. I liked what uh, what we did. Um, I, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it is mostly an incredibly robust framework from which to, uh, to, like, to build out. Uh, like the the most impressive thing about this system to me is kind of like the way that um, it, and, th and this would also kind of come up later as we as we like listened and heard some of the people um, who worked on the system talk about it right uh, but there's a lot less of kind of the 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 problems it feels like to um, uh, to what would end up coming down the pike with Pathfinder in Starfinder because it felt like they really thought more about the rules uh that were given if that makes sense yeah yeah i think that makes sense um we should save i think a detailed uh a detailed kind of uh talk of that for the end after we finish what we've done does that make sense yeah yeah definitely um all right so moving on then unless you had anything else you wanted to talk about for <laughs> nope uh, uh for this session <laughs> i kind of i kind of i would have been None of us play society, so it would have been really funny if uh, Charles Powell had attacked me and we just, like, got our characters banned um, for, like, engaging in PvP. That would have been... Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, you know, I think, like, with, like, a little bit more time, we'd be like, yeah, fuck it, and done it, but, you know. Um, Did you hear what happened later, by the way? No, what? Oh, my God. Okay, so then we ended up playing... Like, we went back to the hotel and I was, G I was GMing Starfinder, um, and uh, we had a couple of combats... Um, and in every one, Charles was not able to get off his supernova. But there were three Solarians in the party because Enoch and Mark were also playing Solarians. Uh. And they both got, like, multiple supernovas off. And at the very end, right, there was one last person and she was, like, it was like an envoy or something that was, like, really ineffective, right? Um, and, Char and, uh, and Mark had just run up to her and supernovaed on her face. Um, and she was, uh, and she was, like, low... 
um, but not dead because he he didn't roll great or whatever. And then um, and then Mark was or I'm sorry. And then Charles is like, oh my god, like it's my moment, it's my time, right? I get to I you know I had three charges. I can get to her this turn. I can supernova. I'm so excited, right? After being like you know stifled at every turn or whatever. Um, but then he didn't realize that Enoch was also at three charges, and so Enoch ran up to her and supernovaed. Um, and I was kind of like, I was kind of like, um, she just doesn't have that much hit points left, right? Like, if she fails the reflex save, she survives. And if she, and if she, uh, succeeds at the reflex save, she dies. And Charles would miss out on his supernova again, uh, for like the fourth time. And so I rolled the reflex save out in the open. And I told them, I told them she has to get a 15 or higher. Uh, in order to uh, in order to get this, and I rolled a nat fifteen, and like well, everyone freaked out. It was so funny because Charles finally got to uh, <laughs> he got to blow up, I guess. Okay, <laughs> so that's how that is. so that's how that would end way later. I guess on Saturday night was when yeah. that happened. Um, well, we still have to do Friday uh, before we do that. Um, we did release the Kraken in the morning. Uh, how'd you feel about that? Uh, I loved it, but I didn't really have anything new to say. I just really like 7C as a system. I yeah. bought a 7C book. I meant to do that last year, but I was, like, lazy. But then I just, I don't know. I just love 7C. I thought 7C is great. I love how much it caters to people like me who do want to kind of, you know, think outside the box and try and come up with uh, uh, clever solutions to, to, to problems. Yes. Yeah. I do like that it's kind of like describe vaguely what you're doing and we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. Um, also, our, our I, I actually good. think <laughs> I actually think that just the game itself does not work if you don't. It yeah. feels like. Um, so. Yeah. Um, I also think you really need to lean into your characters. Like, um, I know at one point, Alexio said that his character power wasn't great. And I think the problem there was that, like, he wasn't playing his character like one that had a death wish. Um and if you play your character, like if you play the character with the power to like not die as a character with a death wish, then it works out well. But if you play it kind of conservative, then you just don't kind of get that out of it. Um, and so I, I think kind of like leaning into your character uh, is, is is important for that system. Um, I think especially um, kind of playing to what your character is. Also, um, I don't know, but like about halfway through the session, it kind of occurred to me that maybe my character was supposed to be like. I couldn't tell if he was supposed to be like a like a like a one of the European born people, um, like that was kind of like an immigrant to Tortuga, the Tortuga pastiche, or if he was supposed to be like a native. Um, so in my in my head he was he was like a white dude, but I think he might have been supposed to have been a black dude. I wasn't sure. Not that it really made a difference. I think the character works either way. Um, I don't know, but it was it was interesting because last time we played the European pastiche, this t this time we played the the pirate pastiche. Um, or like the kind of like the Caribbean pastiche stuff, which I thought was really cool. Um, I thought it was really cool just because it was it was so much different than the, the stuff you know. Like we had the uh, the the kind of um, uh, the the Aztec character and like the uh, um, and you know even with the touch of your character was a German character. Um, I don't know. I I really like the system. I really like the mechanics. I was super impressed by some of the stuff that like like in a very physical sense, like those those hero points. I love them. Um, yeah. I bought I bought a pack of them. I know you got the whole the whole treasure boot box. Yep. Um have you have you looked through that stuff yet? 
Uh, not yet, actually. It's all still sitting in, like, my bag over there. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been pawning through some stuff, so, uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm gonna see if I can get a PDF of the, uh, of the book, that way I can read it on the go. because um, I bought that book last year, I still haven't read it. Uh, I bought two more books this year. Hopefully I'll get around to re reading at least one of them, um, before next year. But, uh, I, I love, I love Seven C. I'd like to play it, I think, a little bit more often, but I don't know if, I feel like it'd be a good thing to do, like, over a weekend or something or like we were talking about maybe going early to gen con and playing some games ahead of time i think it might be good for that kind of session yeah definitely um, definitely um but yeah uh i think that's seven c i don't know if there's much more to talk about with it no um, not really uh then we all skipped legend of the five rings which yeah. was the next thing uh did you do anything else on friday night uh i dear my knock um which was the uh uh, the the campaign kind of letters to the characters section session gotcha um which was it was fine um i think i got a less out of it than i did the angry gm podcast like i feel like i could have just i could just listen to it remotely and it wouldn't be that much of a difference it was still neat to see the pe like i had seen pictures of the of the actors which it's it's, it's neat to to kind of see them in person um it was also super packed and i was kind of towards the back so um, and if I had a question to ask, I would have, I think I would have gotten more out of it, but I didn't. I just kind of listened and enjoyed. Um, it was fun, but it wasn't, uh, it, it's also like some of the, the, the actors voice multiple characters, um, and watching them kind of switch between the characters on the fly is fun. Um, just cause it's like a, a different thing, but I, I, th I thought it was neat. Um, I enjoyed it. Not much else to say about it. Fair enough. Uh, did you did you guys do anything else on uh, on Friday night? Uh, that was when I think we made our care our Starfinder characters. Right, right, right. I forgot about that. Um. Uh, and then that night we did like kind of the session zero for that because I was right. there for that. And then, that, and then we had uh, oh right yeah 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 I do remember that. Um, and then we had the Starfinder rules design workshop on Saturday, Saturday morning. Yeah. Um. Which I thought was very, you know, it was very cool. They were clearly kind of teasing out, like, an ultimate equipment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they were asking us for a lot of, um, for kind of, like, a lot of ideas uh, from, uh, you know, like, what, what we would like to see kind of from equipment and stuff well, like, like that. This, this isn't like some of the other sessions where they're like, this, this is a set of rules that we're having and, like, let's do feedback on, like, certain aspects. It's like, literally, what type of equipment would you like to see in Starfinder? Like, sky's the limit go for it and like oh and casey stevens was sitting there with like a pad just jotting down neat ideas um not even with like a lot of like talk about like deeper into like how the rules would work or whatever some of it but not not a ton of it it's kind of like what would be cool and how would you think we should do it go for two hours which was i think actually kind of awesome um i really enjoyed that session even though it wasn't as i don't know i thought it was cool what did you think uh I thought uh, I I also thought it was very cool. It also gave me a lot of faith in the like the design team for uh, for Starfinder. I mean, like I like the design team for Pathfinder and everything. Um, but you could really tell that Owen Casey Stevens is just a fantastic kind of like brainstormer and like riffer, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And these kinds of skills are skills that not everyone has, um, and uh, and not everyone kind of like understands. 
uh, like there's there's a certain temptation almost in these kinds of brainstorming sessions to like get attached to your own ideas right and shoot down other ideas defensively um, or like or or kind of look for problems rather than look for kind of like ways things work um, and uh, uh, and all of the guys out there seems very good at avoiding those like common pitfalls um, of kind of like when you're creatively brainstorming something with a group of people um, so that was very cool. Uh, we had a couple. I had like a bunch of suggestions. Uh, you had the turret mounts on like non, uh, on like spiders and shit. Uh, well, I was, so that became came from like a, we were not sure if Han was supposed to be able to shoot guns, um, and so I mentioned that. I was like, ah, oh, well, a turret thing would be neat. Yeah, and it was like that. Like Han can shoot guns, but that'd be awesome to have like a bear with a turret on his back. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I, I, you you had the big lead off with the uh, with the unreliable equipment, which took up a good like fifteen twenty minutes. I really yeah, I really like. I also like their answer a lot. Like I think adding in critical effects, but for rolling nat ones, I think that's fantastic, and I think it's a great way to balance the system out um, because it allows you to kind of like you know what I mean. Like you can opt in for something. Uh, like man, I just really like the Starfinder equipment system. Like you can opt in for something that is for an item level like lower than you but like by by kind of saying if this fucks up it fucks up royally right yeah you know like that instead of just having like you know hyper success states you can also have hyper failure states um uh and so that's cool i, I was really on board for that we, we talked about that kind of stuff mark had a couple ideas um not that i really remember any of them offhand yeah uh, he had like uh the the uh the 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 exsanguinator gun oh yeah 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 um um i also had rocket punches um because i thought that was a neat like a, i like rocket fists yeah um, yeah i also talked about uh god i talked about uh the pokedex oh um, yeah yeah kind of uh kind of item and then we talked about like starfinders or starship systems right like optional systems that put kind of different roles uh, for your crew in there. Yeah, yeah, different things for your crew to do. <coughs> uh, yeah, no, I thought it, I thought it was a neat system. We'll see if any of it gets uh, implemented. We can be like, ah, that was me. Um, I am game designer now, Paizo, please. Um, you know, I think it'll be uh, it'll be. Uh, I I really enjoy this session every year. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, highly recommend it to any of you out there who play Starfinder or Pathfinder. Do the design workshop. It's a lot of fun. Um, it lets you kind of get... Gives you a chance to contribute to your favorite uh, system. Yeah. You, you could potentially make all your favorite homebrew real. Um, um, but I think that's it for that. Unless you had anything else you want to talk about with the Starfinder Design Workshop. Uh, no. Uh, and then after that we had Alternity, which was... Um uh, like the proto star thing, which was a very weird, uh, you know, like kind of different system. Um, yeah. Uh, the core, the core mechanic of the system was essentially right. Like you roll a D 20, uh, and then depending on kind of like your, you know, like your modifiers and stuff like that, what would typically be a static modifier instead just gives you extra, like, like one extra bonus dice that either subtracts from or adds to the d20 roll 
Um, and you needed to, uh, and you know, like high rolls were good. Uh, yeah, your, your stats um, determined your target numbers for success. Um, and then like, like the, the situation, the, the the kind of situation that you were you were getting into determined that that bonus and or malice die. Um, like if you had a really challenging thing, I think the, it was supposed to give you like a negative two step modifier, which might have had you roll a d six and subtract that from your roll to see if you beat it or not. I just think it's an interesting system. Um. Yeah, uh, we were playing that with kind of like three older guys, which was interesting. Um, the GM, who at first I kind of was like, I think this guy's going to be bad, ended up being kind of awesome. Yeah, I, lo like, I like that guy. He was really good. Um, the first way that, like, the first couple of things that we were kind of, like, talking about and, like, describing and stuff like that, I was kind of like, oh, boy, like, we got another one of these guys, but, like, that was really kind of reading the book by its cover sort of yeah. thing. Like, he was, uh, he was really on point. Um, and then we also had, like, two older guys, um, who had played, like, the, the... The old version. The old version of this, which is, which is a, a, a phenomenon I find fascinating, by the way. Uh, like, I know a lot of people like this, and it's, like, it's also weird to think about because of, like, the RPG kind of gaming boom in the 80s. You have a lot of people who have kind of, uh, uh, you know, like, like a nostalgia for systems that are, like, ancient in, like, our terms, right? Um, because we kind of only got in things in, like, the 2000s. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that was actually what 7th C was, too. Like, 7th C, the, the first edition, I think, was, like, late 90s. Yeah. Um, and like our GM last year was like a guy from, from that era who was like, I love this game and I'm so happy they're making a new one. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's, we, we play mostly mainline games, right? Like Pathfinder and D and D have kind of survived in, in their own fashions all the way up till now with like increments. Um, I think it's neat to see kind of some of these things come, kind of come to the forefront. Like, uh, I think, um, Paranoia is getting a re-release soon or it already happened and I missed it. Oof. Um, but, uh. I think those those things are really neat. Just kind of like the, I think in large term, not only due to like the the increasing um, kind of cachet of nerd culture and like things like Critical Role and Campaign, which kind of bring uh, these games to the forefront, but also the rise of Kickstarter. So it's like, you know, writing a rules book actually doesn't have that much overhead. It's enough that like you can't you can't do it just kind of on a whim. It's like maybe like a couple thousand bucks, but it's like you got a community of like a couple hundred people. You can get that money together to like just publish a book. Um, I think that's really awesome. I think, I think that's one of the, one of the, one of kind of the, like, you know, people talk about like indie video games and like whatever bullshit people do on Kickstarter, but I think kind of like, like card and board games are, are the real benefactors of, of the kind of Kickstarter revolution. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm super, super happy with it. I thought the system was really neat. I thought the GM was really good. Um, I am... I'm really, I really like doing these these kind of like very different things than what we normally play, just because it's it's good to see kind of the, uh, uh, a a diverse set of, of stuff. Like, I think I would play Alternative again, but I don't think I'd actively go out of like Seventh C. I'd put some effort into playing in like a different setting. Alternative, I don't think I would. But if someone was like, "Yo, we're starting an Alternative game. Are you in?" I'd be like, "Yeah, sure. Why not?" Um, if you if if you understand what I'm getting at. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, I definitely will be finding a game of Seven C to play next year. I won't be finding a game of Alternity to play. Yeah. I feel I feel pretty good, one and done with that one. Yeah. Um, 
Um, and then and then I guess you went to the cosplay deviants. Oh yeah, that's the last How's thing. How's that? I wasn't. I don't think it was really a burlesque. Anyway, it's. I didn't realize this ahead of time, but cosplay deviants is basically a softcore porn site. Okay. Um, um, I don't even think basically. I think it just is a softcore porn site, except the girls dress up as video game characters instead of just being naked. Um, <laughs> um, and like I didn't know. Like, you know, obviously it has this kind of like tone of like, oh, this is going to be the sexy party for sexy people. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm at Gen Con. Uh, let's let's see what this is about. Um, it's literally a bunch of Gen Con. Like, you could tell. Like, I don't, I don't want to say it was like bad, but like most of the people there were just like kind of like the younger part of Gen Con is like, oh, this is what this is. Like, you could see you saw like a couple of Indianapolis natives being like, what the hell is this? Um, walking by, but it's like you know. Basically, a bunch of dudes in like kilts and in, in utility kilts and like various other nerd attire at a bar. And then, like, they had like the girls, I guess some of the girls like dancing in lingerie. It's like, uh, whatever, right? Like, it's kind of it had like a little bit of kind of the uh, like, you know, how these group, how like nerd groups tend to be a little bit more about like open about like, the sexuality thing. Um, you know, it was it was a little bit less kind of like, like the attitude was much kind of like, like less like this is kind of like a. Uh, a weird thing um but you know i don't know it was fine it was it was funny because one of the bars had like a line at it like instead of doing the thing at bars where like people shove up to try and like uh uh to try and uh find a uh like a new uh oh, what, what's the word i want to, like you know like, you know how like when you go to a regular bar it's basically a bunch of people jockeying in position to get to the bar um to get drinks um that was happening one of us, but the other ones, people were just, like, lined up neatly. It was, like, literally the most nerdy thing. It's, like, I don't want to deal with, like, the the social stress of trying to crowd around a bar, so we're all going to line up in, an, in a line nice and neatly. It was great. I loved it um, for, for that perspective. Otherwise, I wouldn't, like, it was, it was like, a club with, like, normal, um, it wasn't a particularly good club for, like, doing club things if you're into, like, clubbing and whatever, um, and it was like a thirty dollar cover. It was a it was a thirty eight dollar ticket, but you got a free drink with it. So it was essentially like a thirty dollar cover. I wouldn't do it again. I'd go to like the Gen Con official dance or something, I guess. But uh, not this event again. Um, I don't know. It was kind of meh. And this is what you skipped Starfinder for. Uh, well, no. I also went to Card Hala, which I should talk about because that was awesome. Okay. Um, so Card Hala, for those of you who don't know, uh, is a. Uh, Every year at Gen Con, they build uh, a, a people. People spend all weekend building structures out of cards, um, and they build it up, and uh, and then at the end of the weekend they auction off the first throw. And after the first throw, everybody throws change at the thing until it all falls down. All the money goes to a good cause. Um, basically, um, they started auctioning off the first throw, and like it got up to four hundred dollars. And then somebody was like, "Yeah." The other, the other side had, like, $200. Like, I'll add my $200 to your $200. So they had 401 And then the two sides of the audience just started throwing money in. And so by the end of it, there was, like, $1,900 on one side and $1,700 on the other. Um, plus, like, all the changes that got thrown. I don't know what the count was there. But, like, a ton of money raised for child advocacy. Um, uh, and uh, what else? And... Uh, Cards Against Humanity was going to match up to $1,000. Obviously, we blew far past that. So, you know, a lot of money going to a good cause. Um, 
really cool to see just seeing these card structures fall down. Um, it's, I don't know. I thought it was neat. I'd highly recommend that to everybody. Um, uh, next year, I think I want to try and do like, like, you know, collect money and make a bid for that first throw. Cause I think it'd be awesome. But, uh, uh, yeah, I thought it was really cool. Um, yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about your Starfinder game that you did while I was being antisocial? And uh, you know, there were seven of us, uh, every, we went to the liquor store beforehand, so everybody was getting, like, progressive, well, not everybody, actually, it was funny because people started out drinking pretty heavily, uh, like, we got a thing of whiskey and, um, and, like, a bunch of beers, uh, but then, like, as the night went on, we got less and less, like, we were, like, people were drinking less and less, except for Mark, who got more yeah. and more, more and more drunk as the night went on. Um, and, uh, but you know, so the, the, the premise is essentially kind of like, you know, there was, the, there's like a star system that like, for whatever reason, uh, you know, like the, the major factions can't access well. So it's kind of just like run as like a giant scrap operation, um, by, you know, like these three criminal organizations, <coughs> one of which being kind of genocidal androids uh the other being uh like a biker gang and the third one just kind of being space pirates right um and uh and so the 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 thing started with mark as the captain and he and i and so and i I like to start a lot which is why i had it uh done that way like the idea was that like Mark was the only person left alive on his ship after some starship combat because, like, you know, like, it got vented or whatever. And so he kind of just, like, took over the ship and was like, yes, I'm captain of this now. And then he had to hire a crew. And the process of hiring the crew was a little bit of, like, the session zero for a lot of folks um, in terms of, like, RP to, like, get themselves uh, 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 together um, and... Um, you know, like, all on, all on, like, one ship or whatever, and then I introduced them to, you know, like, kind of contacts within, like, the factions, and they went, they went out and did, uh, they did a couple of things, uh, there was one, uh, starship combat, the first thing they did was starship combat, where I was trying to play with the sensor rules, because, like, the low-level ships don't have great sensors, and if you read the sensor rules, it means that anything outside of 10 hexes, uh, should be hard for them to, like, pick up on their sensors. So, you know, like, first it just looks like they were, like, two small fighter craft, and they, like, engaged the fighters kind of in a dumb way. Um, and then eventually there ended up being, uh, like a, like a bigger craft, but it was, it was, the, the big thing about that thing was it was less maneuverable, um, unfortunately they didn't re like, they just didn't do like the science officer didn't scan the ship and get a good read on its maneuverability and stuff like that. So they kind of kept finding themselves in, there's just like bad tactics essentially. Um, and they've, and they found themselves taking, uh, taking a bunch of damage and like some of their systems like malfunctioned and stuff like that. Um, but they eventually, you know, like damaged the ship and then the ship left, uh, or whatever, uh, and then there was, like, another thing in, like, a space station, like, a mining station. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. We played for, like, seven hours straight. Um, <laughs> which was, I don't know, which was pretty pretty, pretty awesome, I guess. Um, it was cool to see people, like, interface with the system and, like, try new stuff with the system. Trick attacks from operatives are insane. Just, like, really strong, it seems like. Um, so, so the, actually, the next morning... Alex told me that and I did I kind of did the back of the napkin math on it and there it's it's strong 
but it's not overpowered compared to say like a soldier who is also maximizing for damage it's like three or four points higher and there's some the soldier has more flexibility in him um, fair enough um I can go through that math if, if you want at some point. Maybe not now, but... Uh. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was just surprised at how much damage he was doing. And everybody was also, like, new to the system. Uh, but I kind of feel like the operative trick attacks kind of, like, are... They're easy to read, easy to understand. Yeah. So optimizing them is pretty straightforward, where optimizing other stuff, like, isn't necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um. Uh, but, yeah. Um, we've got, like, ten minutes left. I think we can talk a little bit about Starfighter, but maybe want to do a little bit more in a later cast. Yeah, I, there's a lot to talk about on Starfinder. I don't think we'll have a we'll have a tough time uh, finding time to talk about it. Um, but uh, but it's also been a while since you and I have talked. Uh, so how was your week? Um, it was good. I after Gen Con, I went to uh, Nashville and saw the eclipse. Um, and then went to Atlanta and went to like the aquarium and World of Coke eclipse. Awesome. When it happens again in seven years, I highly recommend finding a place to see totality. Right. Um, uh, <coughs> uh, Nashville Hot Chicken um, uh, was all right. Wasn't any, like, it was just kind of like fried chicken that was hot. It didn't have a lot of flavors from the hot sauce. And so it was kind of, like, disappointing to me in that way. I expected to have, like, maybe, like, a vinegary twist, like, if they were using, like, Tabasco or something. It just kind of was hot. Um if you like hot things for the sake of being hot, I guess it's all right. But otherwise, it was decent fried chicken. I went to Hattie B's, which is the the uh, kind of like the primo place for that, or like the, the touristy place, I guess. Um, then in Georgia, I went to World of Coke. World of Coke is awesome. Um, uh, at least, like, it is basically a giant advertisement for Coca-Cola. Um, but if you know that, it's kind of all right. Um, a lot of cool historical stuff. They have a tasting room with, like, I guess, like, like uh, like, 40 or 50 different flavors of Coke stuff, uh, which was neat, especially getting the ones outside of the American market. Right. Um, uh, uh, there's, um, oh, what else is, what else did I do? Uh, oh, the only thing I didn't like about the Coke was they had like a 4D theater and like it plays kind of like a children's show, but it's also very clearly an ad for Coke. Like it's kind of like, like let's go on the magical adventure to see what makes Coke Coke. And like part of it is like, well, part of what makes Coke Coke is 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 you the consumer and making coke part of your everyday life i'm like uh uh this might be a little bit too much for me um in terms of like you know just like drink coke kids um i don't know if you were paying attention to the gfc at the time but i was just like constantly posting like drink coke um because <laughs> that was kind of the attitude it was fun though i'd recommend it if you're in georgia the aquarium there um also pretty cool um is not the greatest aquarium I've ever been to, um, but they have a huge salt... Like, I was kind of, like, mad on the place until I saw their huge saltwater tank that has two whale sharks in it. And they have this, like, giant window onto it. And, like, as you walk in, like, they're playing, like, orchestral music. They know what they're fucking doing, and it is breathtaking. It's this giant pane of, like, two-foot-deep acrylic like, holding back, like, six, like, it's, like, something like six million gallons of water, and there's just giant whale sharks and these manta rays and these, like, giant grouper and these schools of fish, and it is astonishing. Like, it is, it was worth, it was, it's, it's not a cheap ticket. It's, like, 30 or $40 for admission. Right. Um, but I would pay it again just to see that tank. Um, 
Uh, and the, the the aquarium and the world of Coke are literally right next to you. They, they share like a pavilion. Um, so you can do two for one in one day if you want to. But it's um, it's really cool. Um, like, I, like I said, I'd go to the aquarium just for that, that tank alone. Um, and then did I... Oh, I also, also went to uh, Atlanta Braves games. Uh, it's a neat stadium. Not much else to say about it, I'm sure. Uh, you talk about inside baseball a lot. I was literally inside of a baseball stadium. So you, <laughs> um, the Braves aren't doing well this season, so we got decent tickets for cheap. Um, and the stadium's really nice. Uh, uh, I don't know if there's... I played some PUBG today uh, and yesterday. You know, standard PUBG stuff. A little rusty, but you know, it's the same, same old, same old. Uh, it was interesting to see the Gamescom thing where, like, the top player had two kills and was basically, like, he won by sitting on the side of a hill and bandaging himself, so he ended the game with the most health possible. And that put him in first place, which I think kind of speaks to how weird it is to make this game, like, a, an eSport. Um, I do think it's really neat because, like, zooming around to different players and seeing the different conflicts, I just think, like, kind of trying to declare a winner out of it, out of anything other than, like, doing it match by match, is kind of awkward. Um, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know how else you do it. I don't know either. Uh, I agree. How was your week? Uh, so it was very good. Skaven got announced. Surprise, surprise. On the Wednesday that we all went to Gen Con, so I couldn't even watch like the reveal trailer because like I couldn't get a good enough connection on my phone to play like, the uh. YouTube video. Uh, but they are using the mechanics that I kind of pitched, uh, or like I talked about, where like other races can't see Skaven settlements; they just see ruins where Skaven live. Um, that's a mechanic that that is like the mechanic in the game. Um, the thing that you have to do when you're fighting the Skaven is you have to send a hero to a ruin, uh, and he can tell whether or not it's infested with Skaven or not, um, which is actually very cool <coughs> because like. There's actually a lot of good reasons to go to ruins besides, like, like colonizing. Like, in the first game, if there's a ruined settlement, the only reason you go there with an army is to colonize it. Uh, but in the second game, you have what are called treasure hunts, where, like, you go to a ruined settlement, um, and instead of colonizing it, you, like, loot the ruins for, like, treasure, and, like, you know, like, maybe it'll give you something good. Maybe it'll, like, damage all your dudes or something. You know what I mean? Um, but now you can do this thing where, like, you walk up, and, oh, my God, there's, like, a billion Skaven in there, which I think is just, like, awesome. Uh, like uh, like a cool part of the class fantasy, uh, class fantasy, the race fantasy of of Skaven. Skaven are also like an incredibly like expansionist race. Um, so you know how in the first game there was like vampire corruption and chaos corruption, right? Yeah. So like if you're the vampires, you need to like corrupt the land around you, otherwise you get like attrition and stuff like that, and like these crazy public order stuff. Uh, but everybody else gets like attrition and public order in corrupted places or whatever. Well, Skaven have a similar mechanic, but like they also get the the detriments of it. Like they just fuck everywhere up. Okay. And so like and uh, and and what I like about this is it's kind of one of these you know like one of these mechanics that makes you think about the campaign differently. Skaven have to constantly be expanding and constantly be moving. Right, because Skaven corruption is going to grow wherever they are, and so they can't do the kind of like dwarf thing or like the Bretonian thing, where like you 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 take over your section of land, right, and you hunker down, right, and this is now a base of operations for you to kind of like move from, like move out from. 
Um, and, uh, and so I think that's very cool, right? Like it makes a lot of sense for the Skaven to kind of like constantly be on the move in that way. Uh, we also got a dark elf, like a, like a look at the dark elves for the first time in battle, which is cool in their campaign. The dark elves have a, like a, so, so <coughs> one of the cool things about the dark elves is that in lore, they have this thing called the black Ark, which is like this crazy ship or whatever. In Warhammer, uh, the get in like in Total War, that is going to function as like a moving city, like a horde almost, um, but like not. And uh, uh, so, in the same way that like a horde incorporates your, you know, like your city and your in infrastructure into uh, and like your warriors, right? Like it's all one group. Um, the Black Ark is just like a city that moves around the map, and you can put dudes in there. Um, and if you fight on the coastline near it, it can like bombard uh, with these like crazy magic spells and shit like that. So that's kind of neat. I'm so hyped for this game. I want to play it so bad. Uh, and then I've also been playing like a million other things. I don't know why I've just been playing a lot of stuff. Like I, I went back to Middle Earth, uh, Shadow of Mordor. So I've been playing. So I don't know. Maybe I spent oh my like God. four or five hours on that. Have you seen the official music video for Shadow of War? No. What? It, That's a thing. Oh my God! It looks like it looks like you know, like 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 some some machinima that some team made um, about their favorite video game played over generic rock because that's basically what it is. Um, it's super but cheesy, so it's and like... I I can't believe that it's super official. But it's super cheesy. Um, it's got like original music, even though it's like kind of like derpy music, and like, but it's all over gameplay footage. So it's like, oh, it's so cheesy. Uh, I love it and hate it at the same time. Fair uh, enough, I guess. Uh, and then I've also been going back to play the Banner Saga because I keep talking about it, and I never ever actually do the banner saga like i like i never actually play banner saga 2 and because i have the new computer i don't have my old saves and it, even though it would actually kind of be trivial to go get those old saves i'm just like no fuck it i'm gonna play a new game start like front to back and then i'm gonna play banner saga 2 so i've been doing that uh so i've been doing that as well oh fuck i've also been playing a ton of hearthstone dude <laughs> <coughs> Have you been enjoying your Hearthstone? I've been enjoying my Hearthstone a lot. Uh, the Lich King stuff uh, is super uh, is super cool. So one of the things that they did is um, uh, you can get Prince Arthas as a paladin hero if you defeat the Lich King. So like now, so the new thing with the expansions, there's no longer like adventures and then um, uh, uh, what, are, what are the other ones? Uh, there are adventures and then there are like regular expansions you know like regular like sets um uh that come out with like boosters or whatever so they don't do that anymore what they do is they just like bundle in kind of a pve element to uh every expansion as it comes out the pve element for knights of the frozen throne is basically you just doing uh, like like ice crown citadel kinds of fights and a lot of the fights are very cool and interesting but the lich king fight uh, which is like a multi-phase boss battle like basically like it feels like almost straight out of wow almost um, if you defeat the Lich King on all nine classes, you unlock Prince Arthas, right? Um, and, uh, and so I have just been, like, super addicted to, uh, uh, to playing, uh, to, like, to, like, doing these PvE matches. And I've also done, like, PvP, um, to get, like, gold and stuff like that. It's bad. I'm sinking, I'm sinking deep into, into Hearthstone. Uh, Taunt Warrior is a lot of fun. 
and very cool. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, I I, I haven't been playing in a while just because I've been playing mostly PUBG. Um, Fair enough. Um, but yeah. yeah, I had a really tough time playing PUBG last night. Like we came back from playing uh, uh or sorry from like gen con and stuff like that and we played first person PUBG, and i immediately got like motion sickness because i was so unused to Oof. it after like a week uh, fair enough i guess um did you have anything else you wanted to talk about <sighs> no i guess not all right well, in that case, you can email us at uh, podcast at subdiversplaygames.com. Get in your questions for the 100-episode spectacular. We're only two episodes away. Oh, um, my God. You're right. Yeah. 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 Um, questions. Literally yeah. anything and everything. Oh, God, please. Um, yeah. Tell your friends to send in questions, too, even if they don't listen to the podcast, I guess. Um, uh, what else? You can just, you watch- just ask them, like, what do you what do you just, like, want to know about people in just general? Yeah. Like, just don't even tell them about the podcast or anything. Just be like... What what are some questions that are on your mind? Yeah, or like, or like, if you could ask two random dudes any question you wanted to, what would you ask them? Yeah, <laughs> um, <coughs> uh, you could watch us at Twitch.tv/slash/DervsPlayGames. You can follow us on Twitter and on uh, and on iTunes and SoundCloud. Leave us comments, leave us reviews on iTunes. We love all of it. Um, I think that's about it, buddy. Did you have anything else you wanted to promote? I had nothing else that I wanted to promote. In that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.